0: Hi, I'm Patrick. And I'm Jeff. And we're making a TV show. With Patrick's writing. And Jeff's experience.
1: We're on the journey to turn this story into the next bingeable series.
0: We're documenting our collaboration. The highs and lows and everything in between. So that you can see what it takes to make a TV show while we're developing it. This is Two Guys Making a TV Show. On today's episode, we talk about how the sizzle went. Who we have to appreciate, which is a lot surprises that we had, other takeaways from the five days of shooting.
1: So, you know what I feel, you know what just occurred to me today of what this feeling feels like, and it feels like this every time you you finish a shoot right afterwards, it kind of feels like uh, what it must feel like when you're scaling a big mountain and you, you're not at the top, but you're at like base camp and you can mm-hmm. stop and like pitch a tent and make some food and hopefully look out at it, a view that's that's not so bad you know like that's what this feels like it feels like ah, oh, we've reached base camp good
0: All right. yeah you know? yeah right uh, because everything before this was like cool like when somebody tells you about a big plan like hey i'm going to hike up this mountain yeah and the people that believe you go that's awesome i'm yeah. glad you made that decision yeah. are you doing any preparations? Oh yeah, we've got this, we've got that, we've got all these things. It's like, Oh no, you're like legitimately doing it. Okay. Yeah. Props to you, yeah. but it's still not, you know, you could turn around and, and go, yeah, it didn't work out. And people would say, Oh, that's all right. Yeah. And it it feels easy, yeah. but doing, doing what we just did and then having what we did or having what we have, it's kind of like, Oh, no you're there you go
1: there we are there we we got a ways to go still but we've reached a, a place where um it's our new plateau right like it's our new base level of like we have at least this much stuff that's helping us now we have at least this much materials as a cornerstone you know like we don't have to go all the way back down to the bottom in order to to move this thing uphill um yeah and frankly Honestly, to, to continue the, the mountaineering analogy, I don't feel like this part of it is, act, is actually as burdensome and heavy because you have everything. And like, there's less coordination and, and, and more just kind of like the zigzagging up as you slowly make your way up the mountain now that happens where the, the, the incline isn't so steep um, and the view is pretty good most of the time. Uh, but you know, there's just a, a kind of patience that you that you start to you know have to endure. Um yeah. and uh luckily for us, given the climate and such and things that we've spoken about many times in the past, like you know, there's no shortage of demand on in terms of wanting TV and TV projects. So that helps, you know, that gives us a little sunshine on our backs as we as we walk uphill. Um and that's good. But, like, yeah, I think uh, I'm not one to, like, dwell too much on, on, you know, travesties or setbacks, nor am I one to dwell too much on patting ourselves on the back. But I do think it's a good time every so often to be like, yeah, we did it. We did that thing. Um, and that's what this whole, honestly, this is what this whole week has felt like is, is like,
0: huh, yeah, that feels good, you know? Um, yeah. Well, I think it's it's nice to, like, with, with the conversant stuff, we ask people to, um, as part of this align, act, adjust. The adjust conversation is uh, can be designed to reaffirm what the purpose was so that everyone, like, gets clear, like, what were we trying to do back there? Yeah. Because there could be some people that went, oh, oh we were trying to do that? I thought we were trying to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and have yep. slightly different perspectives, and to appreciate people like through that process. Who can I call out to say, "Props to you for doing this"? Yep. Uh, and then get into like what felt easy, and what felt like it was harder than it needed to be. Yes. Um, and those those are all I feel like good questions to really put a button on whatever project. Um whatever project we do as in that helps us be better at the next project right be better at aligning be better at looking out for things to appreciate looking out for the things that feel clunky um so that we can put an eye to what why did that feel clunky um yes
1: what uh Okay, so uh, as if this were kind of that session for us, what was the first thing? Um, what was the purpose? What was the purpose? Um, well, I think the purpose, if I may go first, uh, I think the purpose for me was twofold. It was obviously to, um, to have a legitimate piece of visual material to complement our package uh, as proof of as proof of like our intention and tone and and overall vision of the project, right? Which I think obviously is very important. The the parallel purpose, I think on a more functional tactical level was beginning to work and really delve deep into the crew and cast and talent pool that is here in Austin, Texas, which by and large we drew almost entirely from Austin. We had some Houston talent, we had some Dallas talent, and we had one person from, uh, I mean, she she came in from Atlanta, but I think she's based in the in the New Orleans area, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so uh, that was the second part, because part of that is sort of a test for, let's say, down the road we we sell, we we get everything we want. They they order a pilot, and they're like, hey, we're cool with you guys making it in Texas, which that's you know our hope. Um, we need to be able to rely on the local talent, you know, both cast and crew in order to make sure that we can actually execute on the thing that we just sold. Yeah, and I think that was by and large a successful um, first run, a first experiment in in how do we do this? Um, in the grand scheme of things, the budget that we were using is, I mean, to put it, to say it's a shoestring budget is is um, is not said out of disrespect, but said out of the fact that like, Oftentimes people are shooting things with uh, even proofs of concept with $200,000, 300000 So like, we're trying to be lean. We're trying to be, uh, make sure that we're efficient. Um, and we had people that I think were good with that sort of boots on the ground mentality. These aren't people that had a lot of ego and had, you know, I have to have my, my trailer this way. It needs to face the sun. I need to get, you know, green Skittles only in my bowl or whatever. Yeah. Um, which helps, you know, and that, and I think that that will continue to be something that will be few and far between before we run into issues like that in a, in a place like here. I mean, that's the a, a beautiful thing about the talent here is there's so much less ego. There's so much less noise in that sense. Um, everyone was very gracious with their time, very flexible. And, um, and I think we're there with their priorities and their expectations managed quite well and by extension our responsibility was to continue to make sure that they were kept abreast of things and, and aware of you know what it is that we expected from them and and what we were going to place on ourselves and and uh and uh what's the word i'm looking for hold ourselves accountable to what we owe them in in making sure that that was a good you know partnership so i think we did that quite successfully um, and i think that that's will hopefully come in that investment in time and energy and effort from everyone will come down the road again when we get to work with these people again and hopefully when we call them they go oh great you know a call from patrick and jeff i'm i'm always on board with something that they're working on oh you guys are working on the pilot now great consider me in you know um so that's definitely my my hope so those for me those were two purposes that i think you know whether they were conscious or subconscious. I think now that they're at the forefront of my mind. I'm like, yeah, those are two things that I think were by and large byproducts of this and successful. Uh, yeah. The boot You know.
0: Yeah, I would agree with both of those coming into it. I think that's probably uh, to us communicating so openly about what we're trying to do. That that was that was it for me. One at the end, have a set of visual material, knowing that the editing process is going to be a new project to take on. For this, we've got uh, uh, visuals for the scenes that we wrote and intend to convey the story of Roe. Yeah. So check, we did that. Um, And then secondly, are we able to do it efficiently effectively with local talent with uh us kind of helming the thing and no one's feelings get hurt and their ego takes them aside or no big blow-ups or mismatched expectations or whatever else and we didn't have any of that um so we're able to pull things together and um Everybody seemed focused on like, what is it that we're here to do? Yeah. And how can I get there? Yep. Knowing that, okay, if sound is going to say we're not going to be able to capture this, okay, great. Then how can we do it in the way that makes sound happiest while respecting the shoot that we're, or the actual frame that we're trying to get? Yep. Um, And I feel like all of that worked out pretty well.
1: Yeah, that was very much a testament to the professionalism of the crew and the cast. You know, they communicated very well. Um, They were obviously driven to get the best of whatever their department or their responsibilities were. Uh, And where there was a balance to be struck, there was a balance that was struck. You know, people Mm -hmm. were like, hey, I can only get this much. I want that. But it seems as if, you know, what I'm trying to do is in conflict in some way with what you're trying to do. So let's find some sort of happy medium. And yeah, and I can't recall to you how many times that's happened. It happens so often, right? So um, that's a great thing because I, I I have been on other shoots where um, that was not the case, where someone was like. You know, no. There will be no budging on mine. There no flexibility. What I want is paramount. That's why you hired me. And they they even say it. And I think they do believe they're coming with good intentions. But they're so rigid in accomplishing those 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 goals um, yeah. that it's it's actually detrimental. So um, yeah,
0: yeah. It's like it, it's good in theory. Yeah. That oh. You've got this mindset and experience that you say, just do it. Do things my way. It's going to be easier. Well, yeah. If absolutely nothing goes wrong and there are no hiccups, yeah, then sure, this would work. And how often is that the case? Hardly ever. Yeah, right. (laughs) So, so practically speaking, it's not a good approach. Theoretically, sure, Um, but practically, stuff comes up and we have to think on the fly and being rigid does not allow the flexibility to think on the fly. Yeah. But if you connect with like an underlying purpose of doing good work to produce the the spirit of what we're trying to produce, then yeah, the flexibility, someone that might not be as good technically would be able to, to move in such a way or create new ideas that fits in a way that somebody else that says, no, it's, it's just gotta be like this. Well, then price goes up significantly. Time goes up significantly. uh, Moods decrease significantly. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: And that was something that we didn't, I mean, if, of all the things that we managed, I think you and I were, were very cognizant from our past backgrounds as to managing morale and managing um, time. And I mean, I think we had... I don't want to call it a luxury, but we, we, with proper planning, we managed to know that like, Hey, let's try and front load some things with certain shots. If we don't get it due to weather or some sort of constraints, we will have a few days on the end to, to fit it in. Right. Great. Yeah. There was a day on, I believe it was Thursday when we were at the house where mm-hmm. we made a decision to to not go to Bull Creek that day and, and use it on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And granted, not every production has that 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 flexibility of time. But it was more, I think, a morale decision on our part. Not that we couldn't go over there and do it, but like people were, you could feel it. Like people were tired, and they were they were they were satisfied. And I think to push that envelope un- unnecessarily and go over there, rush over there, and set up and get you know an eighty percent solution when you could wait two days and get you know a ninety nine percent solution. Like, Mm -hmm. you know that it's worth waiting and it's worth uh recognizing that and i think that that's something that's is not a filmmaking thing but but probably skills that that hopefully we've learned in in other facets of our life where like uh it's better to it's better to push here and it's better to flow here you know like know know the river rapids and their speed and how to navigate them
0: and it it it, uh, highlights something that one of those kind of magic moments if we went to bull creek on thursday after the house shoot and people would kind of grumble because that would have been a pretty big uh location shift in rush hour traffic to capture an hour hour and a half of light where we would have filmed that kiss scene and you're trying to film a kiss scene in a rush when people are tired and you want to show relaxed intimacy It's like the antithesis of that. But we would have gotten that shot and then we would have left. People would have recovered on Friday. We would have gotten to Sunday, filmed that scene uh, uh, of Sal struggling in the chair. And then we would have thought, wait, we haven't budgeted for that last scene uh, of Sal getting knocked out. Yeah. At that point, we would have said, where are we going to do it? Right. Because all right, do we go back to Bull Creek and have to do another location change? Like that would have been a mess.
1: That would have been what would have happened, right? We'd have been like, oh shit, guys, sorry. We got to, we have to all, you know, pack up your stuff We're going back to Bull Creek. And they would have said, why didn't we do this last time? You know? Yeah. So yeah, it it ultimately worked out in the end uh, much more favorably. And, you know, I think that's going to be one of, I mean, look, we have like an embarrassment of riches with shots here. So like, I'm constantly going to be saying like, oh, this is my favorite shot or that was my favorite setup. And then I'm going to say that about the next thing and the next thing, because we were just, we have so much good stuff that that came of it. And I think, I think people are going to be very impressed with it. But I do think that there were certain happenstance, you know, moments of, of elements coming together where, you know, we were able to kind of catch lightning in a bottle in a way that we couldn't, we wouldn't have gotten it had we pushed too hard or yeah or over planned, um on, on our part so um that was good that was really good yeah yeah what, what was uh what, what what your biggest takeaway in terms of like uh your biggest surprise what would that be for you
0: the biggest surprise The biggest surprise for me was how the WeWork shots looked. I was going to say the same thing. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that I, I hadn't thought much about it. It was just kind of a conference room sequence add-on. We might not actually use it and just use the sound. So I didn't put a whole lot of thought to it. Once we got to WeWork and I saw the first setup, I thought, well, this is kind of cool. Okay. All right. And then we got the shots outside, but, well, those actually look really good. Yeah. All right. And then we got the hallway walking scene. Yeah. That's what I thought. Now that is cool. Yeah. That's a very cool look.
1: That, that work day, I think snapped a lot of things into focus that I think were hunches and there were themes and there were things that we'd spoken about, but oftentimes for whatever reason sometimes you catch yourself thinking that they feel more like oh well that'll be in the pilot like we'll get there in the pilot you know like yeah. but when you can capture it in the sizzle you know with just the hallway and you're like "Ah, oh, i get it. this is more than than what meets the eye you know and and how effectively it is just all done by sticking a light at the end of the hallway and pointing it blasting it right back at the camera like ta-da! now you're sci-fi you know like yeah what a great thing, you know, like, what a great thing filmmaking can be sometimes, so simple, um, yeah, yeah, like, that's, that's amazing, but that was the biggest surprise, and that was a a tip of the hat moment to um, a rather inspired choice by, by Josh Benson, um, to think of that, because, honestly, I was pretty pleased with the, I don't know if you saw the previous setup to that, um, but it was, like, the bulbs were reflecting off the the glass in the hallway, so it looked like a, starscape of lights mm. up their heads mm-hmm. and it was cool um and it probably would have worked in its own way too but it was much more toned down and muted than ultimately what we went with like there was no lens flare or anything like that um and so it may have been actually a little bit more difficult to exactly see what was going on especially at the speed mm-hmm. it's not going to be at you'd have been like huh i think i saw something pretty but i'm not sure you know Whereas that one was so clearly like two people walking down a hallway with like, you know, sci-fi elements to it. Um, And the shot with uh, your lovely wife in the gas mask, like that, the Lillian monitor scene, like that always, again, to me that always served as like, I thought it'd be a cool shot, but I thought it would be a little bit more functional. And this (laughs) one was functional, but like, really you know kind of starts to to drive home that like this is this is a big story and then there are things that are happening here that you you know you must see to believe sort of thing
0: yeah right yeah and that that itself uh credits uh the creativity of of josh there because we getting locked out of the computer lab at the school yeah. Um, and thinking like, what are we gonna do? Yeah. I looked at that the monitor in the admin office, and I'm thinking, it's just not gonna work. Yeah, I don't know how we're gonna arrange, maybe on those C stands, trying to prop up different monitors, but then it, it's just not gonna look great. No. Um, and uh, we were Josh and I were sitting there trying to figure out, like, what what are we gonna do here? And banding around a few different ideas, making a call to see if we can get a green screen and thinking, no, that's not gonna work with all the fluorescent lights. Like how would we light it and how would it look and all, all this and pulling back to, okay, what are we trying to show with this sequence? And where does it fit in? If it fits in after Hamler screams, I hope you're happy. Change to, I hope you're happy up there. And then to uh, Sal and his bathroom, then discovers the camera. It's Like, all right, what what does this need to show? This needs to show that somebody is watching, that's it. And so then Josh said, okay, well this might be a little abstract but you can do this sort of shot with the LED. Uh, And I think I was telling you when he first described it I was thinking of Alien, of Scorny Weaver in the pod and and the hibernation pod and the computer text starts going across the glass, I thought, oh, if Adrian's wearing a gas mask and then you see like diodes randomly appearing on the screen or something, kind of like computer code, like, oh, that's cool. And then once he set it up, I'm like, oh, this actually makes a lot more sense (laughs) the way that I'm thinking of it probably would take a little bit longer. I mean, hey, we might be able to do
1: that still. We we'll would just have to wait for that final push to settle, and then you can have the little, you know, like images on her reflection. I mean, that's actually fairly simple. You could even do that. We probably do that with what we have already. You would just take uh, one of the shots of Sal, and literally, you can just shrink the frame size down while maintaining mm-hmm. its integrity, and then uh, change its opacity, and then place it right on her on her eyes, so it would look like a reflection. You'd want yeah. to be careful with it, of course, because it could look like two—you know—it could look like you just drag and drop two little screens onto her. But if you you played with it a little bit, you could do that um, fairly easily. Um, as an example, yeah.
0: so we could try it. I mean, I, I like the abstractness of the the lights alone because yeah. yeah. I think that mirrors the tone of the WeWork shots.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, also- it invites the audience to kind of project their imaginations onto it too. Like they get, you get just by that black bar being, which was the light itself, right? You get that coming in over uh, Adrian's head as she's looking up, you're like, oh, she's watching something.
0: Yeah, that's good. Well, so what, um, I mean, the appreciation goes out to uh, you and to Josh, but that Josh, is also kind of embedded in your choice because that's a your relationship and your contact that you thought of reaching out to. So massive appreciation to you for helming this thing and directing it um, because it's going to turn out freaking awesome. Uh, and to your relationship with Josh, knowing that he would have an eye that could lend well to this sort of um, this sort of thing, which it did very well because yeah. um, it, it's, I knew there was gonna be some translation, right? From what appears on the script to what it looks like. Yeah. And someone asked me, I think Kyle asked me at one point, um, did, this, did this look like what you had in mind when you were writing the script? And went, no, <laughs> Actually, a lot of it is different, but in a way that I couldn't have even imagined. And so now that it's clear, I'm realizing how much better it is than the fragmentary image that I had in my head. Because as I'm writing it, I'm thinking of just kind of blobs of situations and people and whatever else. Like yes. guess not, it's not clear from a, oh, if you could just download what was in my brain, you would get a 4k resolution image of people, like not at all. It's just kind of a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here. Yeah. Um, but it feels more complete as I'm writing it. Once I see it, then all of a sudden it, it breathes a, a new life to the story that makes it. I, I was telling you, I think the first day or second day, the first day, Bobby had his whole scene. Yeah. Um, I thought, oh shit this is going to be a lot heavier than I imagined. Like I started getting worried that, oh no, <laughs> as I'm writing it, I'm like, oh yeah, this happens and that happens and yeah, it's tragic, but like, oh yeah, you move on and it's mysterious and whatever. But we filmed that and I thought like, is this going to be upsetting to people? I like get, when I'm watching some of this, it's kind of turning my stomach a little bit. Um, it's going to
1: be intense.
0: But ultimately I think that's, that's sort of the point there is a there is an intensity to the show like it it borders on a thriller it's really more mystery but there are those elements that make it pretty suspenseful
1: yes I I totally agree how how uh, fascinating is it and how magical is it that you can make your stomach turn uh, and that and the difference between getting that result is between using a a 25 millimeter lens at sunset or an 18 millimeter lens at sunset. Right. And like, we knew what he was going to do. Everyone knew what he was going to do. There was no surprise there, but like when you see it and it's in that, in that way, distorted just ever so slightly by that lens, by the glass, by the light, uh, then you go, Oh, you know, like, Whoa, here it is. That's that, that X ingredient that, you know, you just can't really, you can't plan you, You can talk about it. You can hope it's there. You can refer to other films where it was there, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, but again, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to get it. Let me ask you this. How is it going to change your writing if at all, knowing now that you have some images in your head and, and, and not even just, I'm not saying it's a one-to-one, but, but now that you've had, you've seen your words turn into real life, going back now to the page, um, do you think that will affect your language or, your, or things that you want to see now um, as you write uh, differently? Probably,
0: um, I don't know how yet, uh, I I thought about um thought about those writers that write for a while and then decide to direct uh stuff that they've written. Yep. And um it's what's kind of interesting to me about that is unless it's unless it's like the Cohen brothers that both write and direct. And so their influence or their um their take on making a movie seems to be pretty consistent they get better over time but it's a a, it's not too volatile their styles or stories or whatever else whereas someone like Charlie Kaufman when he partnered with different directors to make something you could always tell it was a Charlie Kaufman movie
1: yeah
0: because it had that oddity of the language and characters and Every character has some amount of anxiety or some hidden thing that they're keeping from somebody or whatever else. Yeah. But then when he started directing, it's like, oh, this is this is different, um, and it 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 became, I think, more specifically Charlie Kaufman esque.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, he he didn't kind of make his directing more accessible to people. It just got more specific to a particular audience. Right. Um, and uh, so when I'm thinking about writing, I'm thinking, well, now that I could see the translation, I probably would change some things up, the mm-hmm. order of things or the dialogue, or um, because now I, I might have an image of my head that I'm like, oh, this, I would rather just a look than this person saying something. Uh, Or I'd want this person to say something because uh, this look might not be enough or whatever. But on the other hand, I also think that uh, if we were able to get this out of the sizzle script, and it seemed pretty good, then a lot of how I would write might stay the same. Well, just be flexible in the, the meantime, like having to change dialogue on the fly that was like all right um it like we talked about more than a year ago uh it was kind of like i don't care if if the intention is the same then i don't care what they say as yeah. long as what they're conveying is this because yeah. that's what the scene is about yeah. um so when hamler is improving a little bit at the end like okay that fits what's happening so yeah. great like that that feels more natural then yeah um yeah absolutely
1: yeah i think um i mean there's a testament to the material uh everyone going into it i can't tell you the amount of emails and text messages i got where people are like this is the favorite my favorite thing i've worked on i'm so excited about this um Tyler Tipton just texted me the other day and he was like, I can't get Sal out of my head. You know, here's a couple of songs that I used to prepare for the role. Um, hmm. It really, it really resonated with a ton of people, you know, in a way that I think they were excited to work on something that was aiming. I, uh, I don't mean this to sound, you know, denigrative of it, of other projects, but it was aiming at a certain level where it's not just a commercial or it's not just a, a vehicle for some sort of, Um, perhaps more more common exchange but like people could tell like it was about hope you know it was about and telling it in a compelling way in a in a mysterious way so it's not only to engage you on an entertaining level but on a thoughtful level on a on a heart level Um, so I think that you know the amount of times that people were and and probably going back to what we led with that's probably why everyone was so gracious with their time and flexible and able Mm. to adjust and and contributing ideas and and had you know came in with thoughts and with ideas of what they're wearing or how their facial hair might be or how they move or or how the exchange or the relationship might be between two certain characters like that's the stuff you want you don't want people to show up and be like okay i'm here where do you want me you know like yeah right we
0: we didn't and i think that's um what I'm reminded of is uh, um, the first psychology experiment I ever ran, it took a while to get there. I was just running other people's experiments and what the PIs would want. And then I, I realized that trying to study the feeling of being in the zone was something I wanted to do. So I spent a while trying to figure out like how would you study this sort of thing? And I got to, well, shoot, if everyone knows what this feeling is, then that's just what I start describing beforehand. And when they go, oh yeah, I get into that. I know what that is like. I say, great, that's what I'm having you report on. Because other psychology experiments would try to operationally define what this is and then tease it out. And I was like, everyone already knows what this is intuitively. Let's just go from that intuition and have people self-report on it. And what came out of it was um, a series of results that. I had maybe a dozen different results that were showed significance at a, a certain statistical level P.05 yeah um, and I remember having a difficult time thinking through well what do I write about I've got like a dozen different topics I could potentially write about and I'm talking with a postdoc and another lab I'm like how do you do this like how do you pick which one to write on and the guy went you have a dozen significant results. People don't get that. People don't have these sorts of experiments and especially not on your first one. You'd be (laughs) lucky to get one significant result, much less a dozen. I hate you and I hate what you're doing. like he got so upset at me because I was like, what do I do? I have all these good things and I don't know which good thing to pick. And I wasn't thinking of it like that. Uh, And then that that turned out to be, somewhat to the design of the experiment and somewhat about how I was designing it because that following several studies all had very like levels of results that were significant. It just took me a year and a half to develop the idea whereas other people were hitting the ground running. So when I think of this, I'm like, I haven't done this before, you you have. And so when I go into it and people are super nice and say, I love this script, part of me in the back of my head goes, you always say that you always want to be kind and say, Oh, this script's awesome. Or, uh, this crew is awesome. And I love working with you guys. And so like, I have this cynical side of me that thinks like, it's probably always like this where people are just kind of saying nice things. And what are you really after? You just want another job. That's what you want. So you're being kind about it, but you know,
1: yeah. Um, Unfortunately for, uh, for basically a, a whole field of people who are um, doing what it is that they, they love to do, or at least they said that probably at the beginning, there's a lot of grumbling and there's a lot of griping and there's a lot of you know, sideways glances and cynicism and, and so forth. And I guess that's just human beings being human beings, regardless of what they do. But, um, but I think at the same time, regardless of what you do, you could go into any room in any office, in any facility, in any occupation, vocation, hobby, and find someone in a state of flow and find someone in a state of what you were talking about, which is in the zone, right? And mm-hmm. when people sense that and sense that it's near, um, I think human beings tend to become much more optimistic. And that's what it felt like, both I can speak for myself and I can speak on terms of like little flashes of me observing it on set. like people were in the zone like there were people that were finding that that flow and i think that that's that's great and that's partly our responsibility to help make sure that we provide an environment that can can engender that but also just luck just luck that we didn't get someone who wanted to be the bad apple you know like i was yeah. i i we did a good job in making sure that we were interacting with people even from the get go that that either got it or took the time to to get it you know even if they didn't get it immediately they called they emailed they set up meetings they wanted to talk about it like that is impetus that shows that like at least they devote energy to a cause so they just want to make sure it's the right one and yeah and i think this was by and large for everyone the right one um so that was you know that was a, an amazing experience um if there was anything that i could do to improve upon for next time, I would say uh, it's difficult. I was so perfect the whole time. <laughs> but no.
0: well, th- uh, you can think of it like what what felt more difficult than it ought to have been? What felt like it had some gunk in the wheel?
1: I think, uh, speaking for myself, which by extension influences the production, just given you know my role and my tasks, is I oftentimes will try and wear too many hats, um, and sometimes hats that are smaller than than uh, my energy should be given to. So I look at them and I say, oh, that responsibility is very small. Let me not, not bother anyone else, and I'll do that real quick, right? I'll just stack that on. And that's that doesn't sound so bad, but when you've stacked on a bunch of little tasks that are all little wobbly things that, you know, are just big enough to be a nuisance if you don't get them done and just small enough to make you think that like, oh, they're no big deal stacked up. Then suddenly you have this thing that, um, you know, causes a lot of undue burden. So I think moving forward, and this is something that, you know, I've worked on in the past and will continue to refine is just making sure that, um, that there are ways of recognizing uh, asking for help. You know, I think asking for help is, is a, uh, is, I don't want to say it's a problem, but it's a, it's an area of improvement for me um, on a personal and professional level that I think is, uh, you know, it's being worked on. It feels better than, it certainly feels better than it used to. I used to feel like, oh my gosh, if you ask for help, you're basically admitting that you can't, do what, what it is that you're doing and you don't deserve to be there and blah, blah, blah. And, and yeah. I don't feel that way at all now. Now I'm like, please. Cause I say the same thing to other people. I reckon I don't feel that way about them. If I'm like, please, you're doing 20 things and 10 is too many, you know, like, please ask for help. We'll help you. Like, we'll find a way to take some of the stuff off your shoulders. Cause the easier you're flowing, the easier that we can flow, you know especially on a, in a small group setting where we don't have the luxury of having an army of PAs that can go out and do any little thing, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that that was that was one possible thing that would like show itself in little ways that I think wasn't perhaps was probably invisible to to some people, but like uh like it would show itself in ways where when we were at the school and we were down on that first day, I think it was Saturday morning when we were shooting the stuff with Kieran and Brad and Ashley and Sal. Um being able to wrangle all those guys, do the character talk and the actor talk and stuff while at the same time needing to be somewhere else so that I could talk to the crew about how we're gonna navigate, not only getting them down there and getting them ready, but how we like, you know, Ben was with the boom and he had to dance with Josh with the camera and make the move happen. Yeah. And you know, there were people that just, it wasn't their fault. They were just, they had to be in a certain place where someone else had to be there too. And we kind of had to massage that into place but um ultimately it worked out ultimately it was it was a great shot you know i think we got but um that sort of thing right and and largely because perhaps i wasn't i wasn't uh asking for help when i when i probably could have so that would be one thing i think you
0: know yeah well and i think mine is related to that in that um i found myself uh, asking people how can I help more towards the end and it was um, limited because by that point uh, people were so preoccupied with their own tasks that they were kind of like, uh, I don't know maybe you can do this little thing and so I took on the DIT work but that's kind of like after Josh showed me it literally 30 seconds of, it, it took longer to unbox the hard drive than it did to do or set up the task. Mm. Um, it's super, so, important super important. Very important. Um, and so that felt like, all right, I got that. Now what else? Um, and and found myself a, like sort of aimlessly walking around and then helping Raina out do like carry something or get food or whatever. And so it's just kind of like jack of all trades at that point for, um, you know, or being like a, a PA, um, running around and doing that stuff. Um, and I could tell, or it felt to me like, um, <laughs> it was like, well, no, I don't need your help because you're also the writer and producer like you would need to watch to see You're the boss
1: yeah you need yeah. To see this yeah
0: um so so that was like how i don't know i didn't know how i could help and in one respect because i haven't been in this situation before yeah. and um for the things that i could help with there was some suspicion like why are you helping me out yeah right <laughs> um
1: I mean, actors like focusing on them for a moment. They're a unique breed of person, and um, and they can be quite. I don't know. Uh, obviously, they're charming. Obviously, they're they're usually very charismatic and good looking, and all this stuff. But there's a there's a curiosity to explore what it means to be human that I think, by and large, all serious actors have, and that to me is always fascinating. I think. I think I turned to you, I may have just been thinking it, but I I wanted to turn to you if I didn't. And that was, um, uh, it was when someone Tyler had just done something. Oh, I remember what it was. You weren't there yet. Uh, but we were in the library and we were recording Tyler's ADR for the monologue. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did it. And he had to. He had to. Uh, he had a couple of false starts because there were like cars driving around and sound could hear it and stuff like that, right? But on the last go round, I gave him just a bit of direct. Like I don't even remember what I said. One little thing, and he took it and absorbed it. And within thirty seconds, he was getting to a place where where I was moved, just sitting there quietly on the floor listening to him, right? And he, mm-hmm. would, he didn't have a camera on him or anything. You know, we were just getting the ADR. And that's when I was like, that's what's so powerful about beautiful, great acting. Like it makes it, in, you can't help it. Like it's, it's an instrument that, that that affects your instrument, right? It immediately moves you in a way that like really, really good music does or, or mm-hmm. uh, a singular piece of art, you know, like it's just a human to human thing. And while bad acting will make you kind of groan and cringe and you're like, oh gosh. I think it's also because our human our instrument was like let down, right? Like you told me we were gonna have an exchange of humanity, and and instead you just gave me artifice and shape and and projection. But if you really mean it, you know, and that can be subtle, then it's 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 uh, it's magic, you know. Sharissa uh, had a, a moment like that in the classroom where she had her head down, like to, I was moved by the by Video Village, you know, just watching her, and it was so simple, um, watching a. Uh, in other ways, watching you know Kylan deal with like we were in the hallway scene and she's kind of talking to Ashley and and you know gets the whole that whole thing goes off. But in the mo- last moment where you see her kind of evaluating the work that she did and you get this sense of like there are layers to this woman you know at all times. Like that was beautiful. It was it was great mm-hmm. to watch. So yeah, it really is an exciting thing to do to watch actors at work and and see them. You know, use your words that that you've been crafting now for months and months and months over a year um, in earnest, and uh, to take the have them take it and kind of put blood and sweat and a pulse behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach, you know, Zach was constantly doing things that were unwritten. You know, like just very subtle things that were totally in line with the character, but like things that you know you'd catch him very subtly doing something and you'd be like. Yes, yes, of course. That's that's Bobby. You know, like that's exactly what Bobby would do. You know, yeah. And I think a lesser actor of less ability would uh, either miss those opportunities altogether or misdiagnose them. You know, kind of mm-hmm. to show too much. You know, when when you didn't. It's just a light touch. You know, Bobby is a light touch character. Um, so those sorts of things. You know, I would gladly work with. With these actors again, they were they were very exciting and and to me very indicative, I think, of of how deep the the pool here in Austin,
0: you know, just may be. Uh, which it, is it, great. And going back to the surprising question, that was something that, like, the quality of the actors. Yeah. In addition to the crew, yeah. but the quality of the actors coming in was like, they, they're legit, like they're really good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, clearly trained, clearly getting good training here. Mm -hmm. Um, I would ask them whenever I could, didn't get a chance to speak to all of them, but many of them were trained uh, by a couple of teachers based here in Austin. Um, Or they would go out to LA for, you know, like, it sounds like two weeks to a month, take a certain workshop or a class or New York, you know, and then come back and use what they've learned. Um, So yeah, I'm really excited to see, you know, not only on this project, but on future projects too, like how how deep that well is, you know? Um, Yeah. It'll be fun. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah.
0: Well, so for, for our next big push, We've got editing. So we've got the chat scheduled tomorrow with the editor to understand what that relationship is going to look like. Yep. Um, And what, um, yeah, I guess this might be solved tomorrow or the door at least open tomorrow. Um, What is on us? To do with the footage that we have like selecting takes like are yeah. we selecting the takes and sending them over or are we giving a collection of takes to say what fits or
1: i well we may have it we may even end up uh making a copy another copy of the hard drives and literally mailing a hard drive over there mm-hmm. that way he can see everything and, and whoever you know the editor needs to be able to have all the data captured and i think it's always a good idea to kind of go hey here's our storyboard here's the script here's our storyboard of some images that are literally in this this is our captured footage this is kind of how we see it flowing together um here are a few notes in terms of tone and time and things that we're looking for uh go through it and um and editors are very good about making sure that the logic of what they're seeing is connected right much like a writer they're they're kind of like writers with footage though right um, yeah. and uh i like the idea of selecting you know, like hey this take is kind of the one that we're leaning towards but they should watch it all and say hey i know you like that take but actually if you do this uh, mm. it makes more sense with that or whatever um or just maybe that we missed some technical error that we didn't see at the time hey he stumbled actually on that line and you can't have them stumble there because it's yeah. very apparent, or whatever. Um, so that would be sort of like for our next steps uh, directly. I think putting together some assembly, rough assembly, even if it's on paper, something where we're like, we kind of see these takes. Here's the clip file number. Here's the the pathways. Uh, it's all organized very nicely because you and Josh did a good job, you know, making sure it wasn't crazy in there. Um, you'd be surprised some DIT, they just dump it and it's a mess. Uh, Mm. So that's good. Uh, And then I think also an important part of it too, and this will come later after our conversation, probably next week is taking a little bit of time away from it so that we kind of come back at it with fresh eyes and go, okay, like, now we're not so biased by, you know, being on set or, our own expectations leading up through pre-production. Like, what are we actually looking at? What do we actually have, you know? Yeah. You and I spoke offline about something yesterday where we're like, you know, it may end up being that we need to do this instead of what we wanted to do. And it's not good nor bad, it just is a little adjustment given, you know, the material that we have.
0: Yeah. <coughs>
1: um, so there'll be a little bit of that. And, um having some idea of what their expectations are as the editor and their ed- editing team, what they want, how how many revisions they may say they allow or don't allow, because um, that's really where an editor's time is mm. taken up. It's actually probably for someone at a professional level, they can assemble something probably pretty quickly uh, yeah. enough instruction. It's the revisions, it's the little minute point, you know, 10th of a second here or there that make or break a final edit that That's the real tricky part. It's time for us to review and even to feel those and say like, you know what? Half a second here, you know, 10th of a second there, you know, we may not even catch it, but it makes all the difference. Um, Yeah. And it's exciting. It's, it's, it's our next, it's the next bend in the road where we get to see this thing kind of feel like it's coming together. Right now we have two hard drives full of stuff and uh, that's great. But, you know, we're not, we're not at the peak yet. We're still only at the, still only at the base camp. So still have a summit to reach.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think having, having the, uh, having the sizzle edited so that it's watchable, I think that would be, that'll feel very nice yeah. and doubly so when we can get some music behind it whether or not it's music that we're just selecting and putting in ourselves, or if we can get some original stuff. Yeah. Um, Yeah, music's huge. Yeah. is huge.
1: Um, I mean, shit, most of the time, that's actually what's pushing your emotions into a certain direction anyways, the music, you know, Mm -hmm. you just happen to be watching the images at the same time, um, which is beautiful. So yeah, I mean, it's pretty, I think a feeling of accomplishment and taking a minute to pat ourselves on the back and then go, okay, well, tomorrow's a new day. We got to strap on the hiking boots and keep on trudging along. Uh, So I'm excited to meet him. I'm excited to, to talk to him. And then we can have a little powwow afterwards and, and consider our thoughts and what we learned and, um, and even get a moment to reflect on like, okay, well, what is it that we're looking for? Exactly. You know, like, what do we need? What do we want? And where is the crossover between those two, those two ideas?
0: Um, Yeah. Uh, Practical question. So in the sizzle script, we had two sections for title cards. Yes. Is that something we do? Something the editor would do?
1: Uh, The editor can do it. Yeah. That's depending on how elaborate it is. But I've always pictured our title cards being fairly simple. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we want to. I mean, we could if we wanted to add in title sequences and so forth but I, again I think that's too that's probably just not necessary um yeah I hate yeah. to reference it too much because I I feel like I reference them all the time but like Paul Thomas Anderson movies it's like a it's like an iMovie title card it's like text on a white text on a black screen mm-hmm. no flash it's nice and simple yeah uh, which I think is is probably what's going to be powerful for us too. The music I think should be whatever it ends up being. It should be it should be chosen, you know, and kind of used as a pulse to drive forward, and and that will add a lot of tension and and really get someone to to lean in and be like, wait, what is this, you know? Because that's what every good that's what every good trailer has, right? It's like usually some good score that gets you going, you
0: know? Yeah. Um,
1: so that I don't think we should we should rush through. We should really like consider you know strongly. Excuse
0: me. Um, nice. Yeah. Well, good. On the next episode, we'll get into the editing process, ins and outs, what we're looking for, and then we'll get into the next phase of the project: retaining a showrunner and attaching a co-production house. Tune in next week for two guys making a TV show.